Thanks for joining us for another intriguing edition of the Stack Pack. Perhaps so you can help solve a mystery. <laughs> Whoa! Damn, how much We did lots did of cocaine do? before this episode, guys. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, there's only so many ways you can say that sentence. <laughs> so I figured I'd, like, run through it real quick. Um, what's up, guys? We're covering Season 2, Episode 8 of Unsolved Mysteries, the Robert Stack series. I'm David Howell, joined, as always, by my best buddies in crime-solving, uh, Daniel Benavidez, sitting right next to me, and Eli in beautiful, lovely Dallas. Yeah, lots of rain, real beautiful lately. And muggy and humid, and I take everything back I just said. D- disgusting. <laughs> How many times has your balls stuck to your inner thigh today? Oh, so many. <laughs> so, so many. many. <laughs> but that happens in the winter, though, too. That's <laughs> Goddamn balls. All right. We're, really we're, off to, down we're off to a great start. So we have a packed episode. Um, this episode was a little bit of a lag, so we're gonna, we have a special yeah. treat for you guys at the end. But... Um, to wait for that special morsel, um, we're going to tell you. Stack. Actually, uh, this first case is very interesting. I feel like this 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 episode was pretty. This not episode. This particular segment, yeah, was pretty interesting. I, yeah, I have to say, this guy had a, a sad life, uh, interesting life too. Because well, well, you think of Muhammad Ali, but you don't know. But who's that guy that he he? Like, yeah. Who's who's that guy that he beat? <laughs> yeah. To start yeah, his like and, insane and legendary I, that's a, that's career. A, that's a great place to start because we've all seen that picture of Muhammad Ali, you know, that that triumphant one where he's standing over his winning his opponent first heavyweight championship. And it's a super it's a it's a it's a really iconic picture, but nobody ever talks about who was on the floor, who was the opponent. And so I I'm actually interested more so into like going and like looking at like watching even the movie Ali that I actually walked out of <laughs> with Will Smith. <laughs> it, I don't. I remember it being not wow. a very good movie. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Will Smith was good, but like, I just, Will he, Smith. He just looks film. nothing like Muhammad no. Ali. And I, yeah. I, I honestly, I, I remember it being not entertaining. And maybe I was just young. I don't yeah. know. Um, there was like I, a there was an era in that like mid 2000s of just like a shit ton of biopics that I've never seen, like Walk mm. the Line and Ray. <laughs> And Ollie. Walk the Line's good. Isn't Walk the, the one good. Ray, Ray's that's about good. Ray Liotta, right? <laughs> yeah, that's about Ray Liotta, <laughs> who was, who was on, in, in kind of a little bit of a downtrod in his career. He was like past Goodfellas time. He's like, time to make that biopic. <laughs> and now he guest stars Dude, on Modern Family. He, he, did, he did that. He did an awful – actually, he's on his own he's, – he's got his own show with Jennifer Lopez. Uh, yeah, Ray Liotta's like doing cops. great. Anyway, fucking move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just really funny. Uh, Ray Liotta, damn. Anyway, so we're talking about the opponent on the floor of um, his that first, iconic picture. His first championship, Ali's first championship belt, he yeah. lost to this guy named Sonny Liston. Yeah, so Sonny Liston was a uh, a fighter, and apparently he, he was doing pretty well for himself. He had a lot of confidence. He had some wins under his belt, and um, things were things were looking good. 32, 32 wins with 22 of them being knockouts. Yeah, th- 32 out of his 33 bouts. Yeah. And 22 knockouts. Yo. That, w- that sh- would be it, awesome. Yo. to that. That's definitely somebody you want to see. So, yeah, he made his professional debut uh, September 2nd, 1953, and he knocked out Don Smith in the first round. He wasn't particularly tall uh, for a heavyweight, but he was a super powerful dude. Um 
His fist measured 14 inches oh, around. Man, you got some crazy fuck. details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so looked it, up Sonny Liston because I really was like. 14 inches. Shit. 14 inches around his fist measured, so which was the largest of any heavyweight champion. Should we talk um, about a little bit of about how he grew up? Because it's kind of interesting. They talk. They like. Yeah. How did he get into they, boxing? There's like two sentences that they like filmed in the reenactment, and and he like he he trades some pecans to the bus driver for a ride, and then he yeah. moves to the big city and pretty much becomes a street <laughs> tough and gets arrested for two two consecutive five year terms. Actually, wait. Yeah, before that, we found maybe a discrepancy um, in the reenactment when this little boy is getting on the bus. Little tiny Sonny Liston. He's wearing like sons of. He's wearing Lords of Dogtown style like Van skate shoes, like high tops, which did not exist back in 1950. Is that what you're saying? You know, they looked checkered. They might have been some plaid, and maybe they were of of the era. But like to me, they looked like straight up Vans high tops. Bad on bad on. I'm gonna put that on the Instagram because I was like, whoa, guys, um, you are correct. They are Vans off the wall 25th edition. (laughs) <laughs> so limited edition only can get them at the van store in the OC block. In they might have been 1989 uh, or 1990. Are we 100% positive these were not PF flyers? <laughs> uh, they're too chunky to be PF flyers. <laughs> There's definitely no evidence that they are There's PF some puffy flyers. Paint and so anyways, yeah. Okay, so yeah, listen listen did when he was let's talk about when he was younger. So he did turn to a life of crime when he was younger. Um he had some history of like armed robberies. Um, yeah, like Dan say, said, he was a strong arm. He was pretty much like the guy who would be like, hey, yo, if you're going to have your show, shop on this block, you owe me 10% of the cuts, man. Yeah, so so did you guys know this, that um, the, the St. Louis police actually had a name for him. They called him uh, the, the Yellow Saint Shirt Lu- Bandit because uh-huh. of the shirt that he wore during his robberies. Oh, wow. He always wore so a he yellow had, shirt. He had one shirt? Was, I, I, yeah. appar- apparently that was his shirt to do crime. Actually, that, that was, was his, his crime uh, shirt, his Robin shirt. What did it say that he robbed? He robbed two convenience well, stores. No, he he ultimately went and served two five year consecutive uh, sentences for aggravated robbery of a gas station. Gas station. Yeah. He yeah he was in prison. He he didn't complain about it. He liked it that he got food. You know he got three meals a day. Um, and it was so it was there that he was actually at the penitentiary that he somebody suggested to him that he try out boxing. And so that's how he kind of got into the, the whole boxing realm. In September 1953, his uh, his professional career started. So that's when he knocked out uh, Don Smith in the first round. So, yeah, this was a big guy. I mean, well, he wasn't as big of like a heavyweight, but he was a very powerful guy is what I sh- what I. Yeah, by he was big stout, guy. if you will. Definitely. So he was definitely not somebody to be messed with. So um, because, I, I guess because of his his stature and because of his win stats, people started kind of questioning his actual loss because he does actually end up losing. So he runs the world championship in 1962, and he has it for like 17 months, I think? Yeah, it's 17 months before Muhammad Ali or what? Uh, Cassius Clay. Cassius Clay, Cassius Clay challenges at the time. Him. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah okay here here we go. So he he gets the belt from Floyd Patterson. So seventeen months later, Cassius Clay challenges him to a title match, and uh, they agree to it. Uh, they go into the bout, and uh, I think it's what after the sixth round, or maybe it was the ninth round. I, it's either sixth or ninth. Um, Sonny uh, forfeits. Uh, he he calls the fight because he he comes to realize like he can't beat 
his opponent. His opponent has yeah. better endurance and and he has more. He's more agile. Like Sonny's a big dude. Like you were saying, his fist was fourteen inches in diameter. So he's a fairly big dude, which means yes, he has the muscle, but he's slower. Whereas Caster or Ca- Ca- Cassius, Cassius Clay, Cassius Clay, Cassius Clay. Sorry. Dude, dude, just <laughs> sorry. So so, but I want to say so. Cassius Clay, when you watch this video. He looks just so much more agile and young. He's taller, skinnier. He can weave. Yeah. He so so when you think weave. of that 14-inch wrist, sorry, fist, whatever. Fist. Um, it's like, not whatever, his 14-inch fist, it's like, yeah, but he was he, he was stockier and shorter and um, I could see, yeah. So, like, he, he gives he up the older fight. Too. He gives up the fight knowing, like, there's no way I can beat this dude, like, regardless if I continue on. He's gonna win by punches and technicality, or I can just stop getting pummeled and say like and st- and like save my face basically. <laughs> basically, yeah. yeah. So he loses the belt, and then he decides that the goes on a downward spiral from there. Yeah, the drink, the quietness, being a loner. Um, his was it was that his manager or well, no, or his uh, coach that that really that sweet guy who was saying like his unofficial how, how manager. Got- so basically, what happens is after he loses the title, he he still makes some money from the fight, and he was you know at like prior to that a title belt boxer, so he had some money, but he has some bad luck. He ends up getting phony managers who take a bunch of his wealth away then he gets suckered into Shitty a couple of bad investments that actually don't yeah. end to pan out so he basically so it's just loses a series of er- just bad luck of just bad investments of bad people around him taking advantage of him yeah it's just a Kinda series comes of bad down things. on this like he starts going down this di- downward spiral where he starts drinking every day and uh, just kind of like you know just like you know down on his luck and then a few layers later um a few- is it a few years? Well, it's almost like a decade. Well, um, no, that passes. 62. 1967, I guess, is when he starts training up to fight Ch- Chuck Wepner. Yes, but because what triggers of, that is... Yeah, because uh, of Ali um, refusing his draft for Vietnam, and they, like, stripped the belts from him. Right. So now the belt's up for grabs, so he's and, like, and, and, I can have it again. I was the title holder, the yeah. last guy that that had it. It beat me, so and a quick pause. A quick pause. That's when he decided to go all Muhammad, right? When he's like, "Oh, I don't want to fight." I, like, I is that when so. he changed his name? When he's like, "Right, ah, fuck the draft." I don't want to kill. Yeah, it's like what he does. He, he like publicly said, "I'm not gonna fight. I'm famous." Fucking Elvis yeah. went out there. <laughs> I don't Jesus. think he was like publicly fight. I think he said he just was like, "I'm not gonna kill." Oh, like mm. and like I Andrew Garfield different. in that. Movie yeah. that, <laughs> the pacifist medic Andrew Garfield in that movie that that racist anti-Jewish fucker Mel Gibson directed <laughs> wow <laughs> just kidding everybody loves Mel Gibson no one thinks he's racist against the Jewish people no one <laughs> <laughs> nah fuck no. Mel Gibson I don't care <laughs> these are only my these are only my opinions um, everyone else in the stack pack has their own uh, separate opinions <laughs> on Mel Gibson. So anyway, so in 1967, <laughs> he starts training to uh, to make his comeback, and he and he ends up being challenged by this gentleman from what is it, Long Island, right? Yeah, uh, Jersey or uh, Long Island or something. Uh, Chuck Wepner. So h- him and uh, Wepner were gonna uh, box it out, as the kids say, um, to decide who would get like a chance at getting the belt, or I don't know. They weren't quite clear on that. <clears throat> 
Yeah, I don't know how any of that works. And obviously these scummy gamblers, you know, hanging out over here, they wanted Wepner to win. I guess they were just like, well, that's the most obvious. This guy's a little older. He's been in the game, Mr. Liston. So they, like, go up to him and they're like, you know, it's it's not proven, but his buddy slash manager slash coach, whatever he was, the guy who's telling a lot of the story says that he's pretty sure that um, he was approached by gamblers to throw the fight. Yeah. So they could bet a bunch of money on it and make a bunch of money and, you know, all that stuff. But Liston ended up winning. Oh, he ended up, yeah. And, and, and it seems like... Oh, man, talk about a this, royal beatdown. Yeah, this, this, was, this was what I was alluding to earlier. Where it, it was in 1970 the when they actually started fighting. Yeah, And the, it was stopped. Sorry, it was, started stopped it. It was 1970 the, when the actual... When the actual bout happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the fight went on for, for seven years. <laughs> No, the the actually yeah the so they they ended up fighting in June 1970 and the the bout was stopped after the ninth round because it was cuts all over Webner's face which is what I was saying and he was like I don't want to fight this guy. I can't punch like, this guy I can't anymore. punch like, this guy anymore I punched him too much and, 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 out and, and of it even all seemed... the punches that uh, he landed it resulted in his opponent receiving 54 stitches yeah. alone on his face but yeah. it also seems Re-admit- like on alone on his That's face. A lot. That means he got stitches elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like he was maybe even taking it easy on the guy, but it was just too easy to beat him. To, yeah. uh, that's kind of what that sentence puts into my head. Like, I, I, just, I can't even punch it. I can't, I, like, you know? I can't like, do this. Like, I gotta, I gotta stop. Like, somebody needs to stop this. Why this yeah, poor guy's and, and the guy, Someone and, stop this insanity, well, please. They do eventually stop it, but it's like, um, his friend says that that was such an odd thing to come out of his mouth, you know? Such a weird yeah, thing. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's right. He did make that comment where he was like, this is like the first time I've ever heard anybody. And I don't think he's ever heard anybody since then yeah. say anything similar to that. He's like, I can't I can't go on. Like, I, I'm well, going to kill he this was, guy. He was also saying that uh, out of like a testament to like his character saying like he wasn't a mean guy. Like, yes, he was a serious fighter when he went into the boxing ring. He was there for a purpose and that was to beat the shit out of someone. But outside of the ring, he was just like this nice mellow, humble guy that just had some shitty luck is basically what they were trying to try to yeah. is what that was. It was a character reference because, you know, ultimately they discover this. We haven't even discussed like why this case is so interesting. Um so January fifth, nineteen seventy one, his body is fucking found. Motherfucker is dead. Yep. Um and the way they present the case at the beginning is weird to me because y- you think that it's like, oh, and nine, you know, he was a boxer in the fifties and sixties, and nine, and nine years, you no, know, they say he won the belt in sixty-two. Nine years later, he was dead, and it's like, so you you picture this washed-up boxer, but he was right. like, he had just like, he had just competed Got, and won like a very like, yeah, he was. He was getting he was getting back up there. He was starting his career back up, and it, things were looking bright for the guy. Yeah, things you know he he had just won this match. Um, he was getting his. Um, I, I think that match. They even say that it, it kind of boosted his confidence. He was like, "I'm getting back. You know, I can do this again." And um, things are looking up for the guy. Yeah, totally. And um, uh, to give a little more insight, I don't think we mentioned his wife walks in after she's been out of town. They live in Las Vegas at this point, and she walks in and just sees her husband sprawled out like on the bed, like on his back, just laying on the bed, like not even fully on the bed. As, well, they as, say he was at the foot. At, at, actually, they say he was at the foot of his bed. Which is weird. He um, 
is found. There's a needle around him. There's uh, there's ba- look when, the, when his wife calls the cops. There's like three little baggies of, of heroin on the kitchen table. He's got a little bit of pot in his pocket. That was probably his, maybe. Yeah, that that exactly. seems likely. I mean, I like to think all the cool people smoke weed. Um, I don't know. He's training and, for a fight. Drug test. I don't know. Back then, who knows? Yeah. So there was a syringe by him. But the interesting thing is uh, well, they immediately rule it uh, cardiac arrest by drug overdose or whatever, like possible overdose. But then the autopsy reveals that there was like barely any heroin in the system. Yeah, they say and, and not just that, but they say he hated needles. Yeah. They were like, he hated needles. He minimal, didn't even like. Minimal heroin. like yeah. Yeah. Minimal traces of heroin byproduct. Not enough to break your heart. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they did say there was a, a codeine and morphine, small amounts. Right, which they were able to trace back to a month prior to this incident. He was involved in a car accident and was hospitalized oh, for a short time. That's right. And that's when his friend's like, this dude fucking hated needles. And yeah. like, yeah. he even made a point to uh, his, his buddy that was his unofficial manager was just like, you know, like he hated needles. Like he would avoid it like... If he had a runny nose and they're like, hey, let's go to the doctor, he'd be like, nah. If Honestly, it involves a shot, yeah. I'm good. That, that's true, but addiction's a fucking bitch. His wife says, that's true. He, 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 the funniest thing that his wife says is, is um, <laughs> she says, she's like, no drugs, not that I knew of. He's like, he used to drink every day. <laughs> but I, I only noticed on the second time, Ryan and, and, Dan I cut it on the first Ryan one. Ryan Dan were like every day. I thought he said every now and then, and it was like no, then. it was like every night. No, it was every night, and I was yeah. like, and but honestly, but it's because she I said mean, it so fast. She like it's, her, her delivery was yeah. great. She's yeah. like she's like well, he used to drink every night, but that's not. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, and yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's one thing I can see. I mean, how long were they married? I can see him kind of, you know. You know, doing a little drugs here and there. Yeah, of course you're not, not going to tell your wife. When he's on the road. Yeah, I can see him hiding that. Um, um, so obviously his all of his buddies uh, think he was murdered and his wife. And yeah. um, Which which I, I, I kind of lean to also. Just I think he was to. murdered, maybe. Lean to. Well, because. Do you like lean tos? I mean. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think definitely. I a think I, 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 I actually of, just learned about lean to reading a book. I had to look up what a lean to was, um, but yeah, um, yeah. I I I I kind of I kind of feel like that's just a lot of gambling going on, especially in boxing at that time. Yeah, yeah. Brought to make money. You know, they they want to fix fights. Uh, there's reasons that rules are in place now for organized sports like this. Do you think that uh, Sonny Liston had a blind son who grew up and became Daredevil? Because that's pretty much the plot of Daredevil. <laughs> Is that his battling, battling Jack Murdoch gets killed by yeah. the thugs because he won't fucking throw the fight. Because he won't take a dive. So, yeah, he won't take a dive. Just take the dive, Sonny. Just take the so dive. still super unsolved. Is there any more? Is it there is an then? update. There is an update. You guys ready? It's a good update. This case has been... Unresolved. In 1982, <laughs> oh, an informant named Aaron Peters told. <laughs> well, there's more to that. Um, in 1982, an, an informant uh, by the name of Erwin Peters told uh, told the Las Vegas police that um, that Sonny Liston was actually, in fact, murdered by a former police officer named Larry Gandy. 
Uh, Gandhi was allegedly hired by a bookie by the name of Ash Resnick, who had money troubles with Sonny. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, they suspect them the motive would be is if they get rid of Sonny, then the money troubles are gone. Um, but unfortunately, um, they weren't able to really like follow up much onto this. I guess uh, it goes on to saying that that is like just rumor. Well, yeah. Well, it, it's also kind of suspicious because uh, in 1987, Erwin Peters suspiciously dies. Um, they so, all do, don't they? So in 2014, a journalist named uh, Sean Anzel or Azel uh, begins writing a book uh, about Sonny's death, and through that, they uh, basically come to the conclusion that it was more than likely a homicide. So. It's still unresolved, but now it's pretty much widely believed, even in the investigative world, that it wasn't a suicide. Like, this was actually a hit. His housekeeper was even like, you know, there's there'd be no reason. Like, he was on the up, and uh, he was a happy dude. And um, uh, Supposedly, Gandhi claimed that the killer was a dealer named Earl Cage, but they never got a chance to interview Earl Cage because he passed away in 2000. Like, that's the most recent. I guess, like, they interviewed uh, Gandhi... Uh, I guess like in 2000, 2001, somewhere around there, and then they weren't able to follow up on his claim. So, all right. So next we get an update on the Rogers clan, all the kids that got uh, separated in the 60s. We already covered that with the update. But one thing I want to ask that's an unsolved mystery that's just like unsolved mysteries doesn't it's an point unsolved out within an unsolved. Where the fuck is the sixth? Oh, I told you that. I, I we talked about that when we were when we discussed it. I was yeah. I was confused about that whole thing too. I read up and apparently he was found. He was they did a find him. He was he was the third one found, but they I guess he just chose not to be a part of the reunion. He was like, No, nah, I'm good. And yeah. so they he was he wasn't filmed, he he does not discussed. I, I don't know, but I did. I was I thought about the th- the same well, thing. Well I guess I like, like oh, there's six it, kids. Well I guess when that, he's just like wait, I'm sorry. Is it known that he, uh, if he has a mullet or not, to go along with the rest yeah. of the family? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he does. He might still be rocking Sleeper. I forgot, I forgot Ryan was here. You wait for him to say something that's going to be funny. Yeah, all those guys had, like, different versions of the famous late 80s, uh, early to mid-90s haircut. The mullet. Sick mullets. Yeah. But where's the sixth? So you, that's kind of fucked up, man. He was just like. I'm good. I'm good. I, I, Fuck you guys. I, I, honestly, the only what I like, I, I made up a story in my mind, and this is the okay. one that I'm sticking with. I like to think that he found a really good house, a really good family, and like, I think Swept he had a lot of bad under. experiences. So he's just like, that was my past. I'm done with that. Yeah. I love you. I'm glad we found each other, but I don't want to remember dad or mom. Or I just and don't like, want to be on wanna... Unsolved Mysteries reliving <laughs> this shit. Yeah. The, yeah. Either one of those two works. From a producer standpoint, it makes sense that like, oh, let's just not even mention him because we have our happy ending. You like why yeah. even, you know? Uh, yeah, my, why confuse the audience? Why say like one brother was kind of a dick and said fuck you? <laughs> my uh, my therapist says this little endeavor is going to set me back six months. No, I I looked yeah. up because I, I I looked up several and like there's a lot of websites that don't even mention the guy, and I was like, wait a minute, and I even took the picture and like their names under each name and I was like okay when when did they find this one and I, I like had really? to go back yeah I went back because I was like Whoa, watching boy. the thing Bless I said you. Eli do proper detective work I was nice. like where did he go wow he's where learning he go? 
And I finally did find they did find him. He, he they don't mention anything about him not wanting to be on the show, but they do in passing in one. It was like one sentence. It says they the sister and the the, the brother found each other first, like in the story, and then they, yeah. they and then together they found the third one, which is the one that's missing from the from the segment, and then. That's when they. So they just they like just, in just, passing. Yeah, it's just like oh yeah, him. they found him, and then in the and then unsolved mysteries, and then you know blah blah blah. And then, and they then. Find but he's in so the mental so. hospital because he so murdered think, all those girls. And <laughs> it could be that he's just a terrible dude. I I tried looking him up and nothing. It just that's the only thing I could find on the guy was that. But he was reunited, so so it, it really was a happy ending. Case, yeah, it's a happy case ending. solved. He so was speaking not of dead. happy endings, this next case. Not a happy, no, not a happy nothing. Um, let's go ahead and um, talk Can about we just Sharon like... Stevens real quick. This next case is a lost loves, and I don't. There's no, there's really like no humor in this case. It's pretty pretty intense. This, this has got to be like the roughest lost love case. This is pretty. It's wild. And in nineteen, it's our story starts in nineteen fifty seven in Cal in Torrance, California. And this little girl named Sharon Stevens, her mom was killed, or no, her mom died. This girl named Sharon Stevens, her mom died, and she was getting close to her dad, and she buys him a nice buckle for Christmas. And then the next scene is just immediately talking about how he would use this in fits of anger to just beat her with. And this, like, beautiful gift became, like, a just a thing that she dreaded. And it's just terrible because you're just, like, it's and, – and, and, Fuck you, Unsolved Mysteries, because they really, like, do a crazy twist, don't they? Like, uh, like even the music, and it's like, oh, this is so sweet. Like, she got her dad a gift, and he loves it. And then right. it's like, oh, yeah, and that's the belt that, like, she, he brutally beat me with a lot. And, and the most fucked up thing, how she says that, like, he would just hit her with a belt until he got tired. It's fucked oh, up, man. It's really sad. Her face, legs, and arms slashed with her own the buckle that she purchased for her dad. Um, so in '59, she was taken to foster parents because uh, uh, when her her dad got arrested for something. Um, her first set of parents were like, you know, she was rebellious and she didn't get along with them, um, and she was kind of like a cold and hardened kid because of all the shit she'd been through. So she was kicked out of that foster home. Like she came home from school and they were like. Uh, like one day like they straight up said they got rid of her it's super sad you know and it's like of course she would be rebellious and like unworthy to uh you know kind of connect with people after adults treat her like that it makes perfect sense so she was sent then sent to bill and cynthia um zelinsky zelinsky and she was of course acting the same you know like a tough shell and um, she, and then eventually she kind of like they cracked her and she could realize that these people actually kind of cared for her and they like you know they were real sweet and they actually wanted to like uh, connect with her it wasn't just like a, a job or something like it had been with some other foster parents yeah and um, she even wanted to be do ballet as a girl and they like built her a ballet bar is that what it's called Dan? yes um Dan was a, a dancer, like ex ballet dancer, <laughs> ballet ballerat. If, if you do, if you do like the the Billy Idol, it's like, I just want to do ballet. You mean Billy Elliot? What did I say? Billy Idol. Billy Idol. Uh, <laughs> I just want to dance ballet. 
while I'm dancing with myself. There you go. There's a connection. Boom. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so um, these nice <laughs> foster parents helped her like do that. something that was like a childhood dream, whatever. Nice. Um, and they had respect for her, and they tell us a nice story about the birthday party. Uh, there was like one of the neighbor girls had a party, and the you know Cynthia Zelensky took her over and had purchased a present for the little girl, and. Um, she had this feeling of like welcomeness and like how real love was because you know it was like she bought the gift for the girl and she re- truly felt like a you know a kinship in just the situation in the neighborhood she was in and that's when the dad gets custody again and takes her away <laughs> i was going to say Fuck. she even feels that when she gave her the gift she said that she felt like it was one of the best gifts there and it really like Boosted her, her, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, I have the mom or a foster parent that would care so, foster parent that would care so much about getting a nice gift for this little girl. And of course, the little girl's like, you're the little girl at my party, so I'm pretty sure it was from her, and that probably made her feel very special. Right. Um, And it wasn't immediately. So this, um, she was with the Zelinskis for a year when the dad gets custody. Right, he gets remarried and... Yeah. The court, it was court ordered that he got her back. It's fucked up. So she goes to live with her her dad and her stepmom and this six is, uh, shitty more kids that are, that are just her stepmom. Six kids a and they perfect none of them example got of the, how the system has Mad how sad, failed. How fucked sad. up the system is. Yep. It's super weird. Yeah. So after she moves back into so after she moves back with her dad, there's this crazy scene of her coming back a little late, and. I'm just going to play this clip real quick. What did I do? You're late. But I'm not late. I told him I'd be home at this time. All I know is that he wants you to get inside. This little boy sounds like fucking John Wayne. Is this little kid doing a John Wayne impression? (laughs) I'm just trying to read my lines right now, Well, I don't know, but you're in trouble. He's on the porch (laughs) sipping a beer. (laughs) Smoking smoking a cigarette. Get out of here. While (laughs) chewing. I don't know what's going on, but you're sure in a big lot of trouble you are. (laughs) Sorry, I can't do a John Wayne. Tonight for dinner, we're doing steak and potatoes. (laughs) This kid had just watched a Western. (laughs) You're in trouble, Sharon. Aw, shucks. Sure are. And so she's like, fuck this, dude. I know how it is to get beaten. Yeah, I know where this is going. So she runs. She calls the, the she calls the Zelinskis. They send her a cab, and she gets her ass over to them, and they let her, like, back into her bed. And the dad – and she wakes up uh, in the middle of the night, and her dad is uh, there, yeah. like, hey, give me back my kid. What the fuck? Or I don't know. that It's not clear how that transpired. I'm assuming he knew. I, he, I don't he think kinda, she would have called. He would know where she would have gone, probably. I, I, yeah, she's like, she's, I know where she is. And um, he has to. Yeah, like seeing how caring these step parents were, I don't think they would tell him, like, all right, well, like, well, whatever you do, don't tell your dad you were here, but we're gonna let you stay the night. And then as soon as you go to bed, like, hey, Gary, like, I think he figured it out. Yeah, there's yeah. no way those people would have done that. Um, so yeah, she goes back and she said, oh, "It's fucking sad." She says, like, she pretty much. Put, she knew. Put, she put on all of the clothes she had under well, it, it her pajamas. Well, it says that she, the Zelinskis so, told her that the, the dad, like, yeah, take him. You can't beat her. And he's like, I promise I won't hurt her yeah. as soon as I get home. And, yeah, and 
course, the son of a bitch. What does he do? Goes back and goes back to his ways. Sharon talks about how she put on like everything in her closet and then put her pajamas over that because she knew that this asshole was going to come. Oh the man! Belt. And then they, they really like pulled it out. They pulled out all the stops on this one, man, because they go into pretty. I mean, they go into a lot of detail about. You know the the events that transpired and what she remembers from. So of course, he goes in and beats her silly with his fucking belt again. She says like how she was like all over the bed and it's more like fucking visceral and scary. And then she even says that like he was like don't move and then she, uh, he came back in later and she was sitting on the bed and he was like I told you not to move and then like smacked her with the belt buckle and she's like yeah I was just slashed right across my face. It's just like. I don't know. Like, how could, uh, how did you do that to a child? There's a plus side to this story, though. Oh, okay. um, that that physical attack happened two days before school started, and uh, because of that, he got arrested for child abuse. Yeah, yeah. fuck yeah, good. So, um, I mean, it's not- sad to say it. it, it that event kind of created a happy ending because well, it put an end to his physical abuse. It, it is weird, something they don't mention, why she didn't go back with the Zelenskys. And another thing is because they tell us that she went from fo- she went to a bunch of different <coughs> foster homes after that. She went to three more after, after he was arrested. And so she uh, had a couple kids when she was a teenager. Her second, they just... Briefly mentioned how her second baby was killed by an abusive relative. Oh, I know, man. And you're just like, what the fuck? This... Like, what are the circumstances of that? And then, and then they just kind of like move on with the pretty music and say that she's married well, and her other daughter uh, is also a happy adult. And it, it it was kind of weird in the update because it's like she now lives near her married daughter, and it's like, why do you yeah. why do you have to like say that her daughter's married? Can she just live near her single daughter as well? Like, I mean. Yeah. They're just trying to give you, like, as much information in, in like, one sentence as possible. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really kind of do that. <laughs> and she kind of owes her happiness and her, like, uh, you know, keeping a clear head during all this uh, frustrating shit, even after that, to the, how the Zelenskys taught her to really love and uh, taught her that, like, not all adults were pieces of shit, pretty much. And she wants to find the Zelenskys. That's this lost loves. She was never she never heard from them, and she's wanted to kind of thank them. And of course, yeah. they were watching the show, motherfuckers. Because everybody watched Unsolved Mysteries in 1989. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, That's what they you did. did. And Bill sent uh, Bill Zelensky is uh, he talks about how it was crazy just seeing like a part of his life just like portrayed on TV. And they were like, yeah, that's us. And um, they show uh, okay. Sharon meeting her, the only foster parents that, like, made an impact on her life. They were oh. truly nice and awesome and treated her well. And it was actually the first time I watched it. I uh, I don't know. I, everything makes me cry like a little Dude, bitch. I'm, but I'm tearing up a little, a little right now. It was a little intense, man. I was like, okay, <laughs> oh, that's a nice really? little ending. And they're all dead now. Are they really? Man, I'm just kidding. I'm, te- I don't know. I'm tearing up now. Of you, I, just like I'm sure the Zelenskys are, but I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is a missing persons. Um, our story starts on March the 25th of 1988 at 10 p.m. By the way, if you can't tell, my nose is mad stuffy. Oh, sorry, I'm a little sick, Holmes. Um, Ms. Elizabeth Campbell's 21 years old. She's a college student, and um, she is. Uh, 
having an argument with her boyfriend, uh, mold extraordinaire, Ricky. Hey, Ricky. You're Ricky so fine. Ray. You're so fine. You have a mullet. Hey, Ricky. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, you stole my joke. Kylene, Texas is where they're from. It's by Austin, by the way. <laughs> it is? She yeah. storms out of her boyfriend's house. There's a mili- I think there's a military base there, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Keep Kylene weird. Um, I think it's pronounced Kaleen. Kaleen? Kaleen? Kaleen. Kaleen, Texas. Texas. Yeah, that is how they say it. So Ricky gets a call from his girlfriend from 11 miles away, and she says, hey, I got a ride because I was mad, and come pick me up at this place. And he says, what? Like, why are you out there? And then she's like, never mind. I'm calling my parents. So he doesn't go. Uh, Apparently, she never called her parents. She disappeared that night. She called her parents. They didn't answer because it was so late in the evening. Oh, wow. So they never answered. That's that's crazy because to this day, she has never been seen again. Oh, I bet they regret not answering that phone, huh? Well, that's not true. She's been seen multiple times. She's been seen three more times. Actually, that's not true. There's a lot of sightings (laughs) of her. Excuse me. I'm stupid. She's like a UFO sighting. Excuse me. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of sightings of her. Um, she was a quiet girl, but she was about to start A and M in the fall. She was still living with her parents at that time. She had a Korean mom, and her dad was in the Marines, and he was a white man. So, um, she was a nice, pretty girl, and she just fucking went missing. Her parents knew something was wrong because she was one to call. I think everybody there, lots of. Uh, children, you know, we knew how to use normal style telephones back in the day. Like, if she was a responsible girl, she would have called. It's not just, you know, like now you could just send a text at 3 a.m. Like, okay, I'm good. Fine, mom. They didn't get a call and they were like, this is weird. The parents kind of took it upon themselves to actually spread flyers. Oh, yeah, no, like, they walked to the beat. They printed thousands and thousands of flyers and scattered them, like, everywhere. They went as far as driving all the way out to Waco, uh, which is 85 miles from where she was last, like, one of her sightings to distribute flyers. And that's how they they, uh, got the first tip, right, was actually walking into a gas station. Yeah, those those fucking – these people went to a lot of gas stations. Spotted (laughs) by this clerk. A car drives up. And there's a man who's grabbing this woman by her wrist and just kind of almost dragging her into the store. Um, the guy said that he gave her uh, th- that he gave him a 20 like out of a roll of 20s, like with one hand, like kind of like thumbed it like to take it. He wouldn't even let go of her wrist. Um, that's weird. And the girl looked up, and he was well. In the re- in the reenactment, he's like, "Is there anything else you need?" And the girl kind of looked up, to, looked up at him, and said, "Can I help you?" And uh, she, you know, didn't say anything. The guy told her something in a foreign language, and then they left. So the mom comes in a couple days later to this very same gas station, petrol station for our UK listeners. Um, and the flyer that the mom gave this guy, it just clicked with. Uh, the clerk and he was like i definitely saw this girl um and then liz's mom actually found another clerk who had said that he had saw them and uh they were getting ice cream an ice cream lady and uh the same thing asian guy holding her wrist and um 
she even said like you look sad today and she kind of looked at she kind of like immediately like diverted eye contact with the I, ice cream girl can i just point out something if a guy it was going to hold somebody hostage who's going to take her out for ice cream it's weird yeah <laughs> also i want to point out that the, that she says that the man was oriental and yeah. i feel like that's not a thing you say anymore right no she, no it's asian so. this man was from asian. The, this man was straight from the orient like yeah <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Yeah, she calls him. A, she says it's an Oriental man. Um, I yeah, know. I haven't heard that. That's pretty. Yeah, yeah, that term. sounds like something like uh, a grandmother would say. Yeah, um, he's Oriental. I, I mean, I've heard it in the past. I haven't heard that recently. So much so that I forgot that it was a thing. <laughs> he's not a fucking rug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a. Yeah, that's definitely not proper nomenclature. I'm I'm sorry for our insensitivity. <laughs> she said, uh, "You look very sad." Avoided eye contact. Boom. Okay. So two months later, at a gas station in Garland, Texas, which is 150 miles from where yeah, she yeah, that's like a suburb of Dallas. So that's closer that's, to me. That's like near you. Oh wow. Um. There was this lady that said she was coming out of a, a grocery store and she bumped into the girl who was carrying a bunch of stuff and they made eye contact and she said, she said she had a feeling like she was being, that this girl was being watched and she kind of wanted to tell the lady something more, but she didn't. And when she saw the picture of, uh, Elizabeth, she saw the picture of Elizabeth. Um, she was like, that was definitely her because when she smiled, she had like a little, like, you know, like a tooth that would kind of poke out. Um, that was very distinctive. And they show a picture of her smiling, and you can definitely see it. Um, same thing. She got into a car. But we didn't see the guy this time, which is a little odd. And then we get um, interviews with these people called Children of the Night. And what they do is they get uh, children out of uh, terrible prostitution rings and things like that. Like kids that are victimized and sold for sex and things like that. They bring up the fear that she was abducted for prostitution. They kind of talk about the steps of stripping away someone's identity. And it's really terrifying shit. Um, and it still happens to yeah. this day, unfortunately. Yeah. It's crazy the way they talk about, like, they put them in dark rooms and, you know, sell them for sex and all. I don't know. They're Like, they go into it and it's rough. And the lady talking about it had Rod Stewart's hair, too. Um <laughs> If you want my body, <laughs> then you think I'm So sexy. a year and a half later, the parents uh, still haven't given up. They're like, fuck no. And that's where we are when this episode comes out. <laughs> so uh, there is some interesting information about this case and one of the really weird and interesting things. And Yeah, I don't know anything about before this. Before I continue on to I'm say excited. about this, I just want to point out policing back in the day, which is so fucking awful. So in 1992, the Ozona or Ozona uh, Sheriff's Department discovered that inside their evidence locker, they possess Elizabeth's purse with her state ID, military ID, and social security card. Um, when they go back into their records, they have no record of this ever being admitted into their locker. What the fuck? So that's, just that's doing inventory one day, they're just like, oh, shit, like, there's this random purse. Let's take a look at it. Oh, it's Elizabeth's uh, purse. It contained, like, all of her personal information to identify. So they don't it. even know where they got it from. They don't. 
They don't. Um, the the evidence log says that it was discovered on the side of I ten, but there is no log on when it was entered into evidence. So that's they don't so know. vague. The side of I ten, like that could be here yeah. in El Paso. That could be in California. That could be in uh, Florida. Like that's a huge stretch of highway. Yeah, it could be fucking anywhere. So with that said, either she was in Ozana or someone that had given her a ride that had her possessions was in Ozana and decided to ditch there, uh, ditch it in, in that particular area. And there is a new... I've um, driven through Ozona a lot of times, and um, that's creepy, like, desertness, right? Like, just kind of like... Never so, been. I so feel there's like there's a, lots of bodies. So there's a, yeah. there's a new theory that's out there, and the new theory is that she ultimately became a victim of the serial killer Robert Ben Rhodes, who was a Houston-based Ooh, trucker. He's the trucker dude. Yeah. No way. You've the heard Texas, of him? Yeah, the, the Texas trucker driver based out of Houston. Yeah, um, I've yeah, heard of like, him. There's, there's pictures. The reason I've heard of this guy is because he used to take Photographs pictures. of the people he tra- he killed like yeah, right before dude. he killed them. So, um, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that was like his MO. Like right before he killed his victims, he would photograph them. Like that was they, his souvenir. Like smiling, like or scared, no, and, like ready to die, scared and terrified. Ah, uh, like that final moment. Like that was it. That's what got him off. So they now suspect that she nice. might have been one of his victims, seeing that one of his victims was discovered off of I ten in in Ozona. So Ozona. Why Ozona. is it so hard to say sorry. Ozona? Sh- sorry. <laughs> yeah. Ozona. Mister Ben Rhodes has a really messed up eye. And uh, I remember seeing a story covered where I think it was the reason that they caught him was because, if I remember correctly, they interviewed a girl who was his victim. She had gotten away, and then the police had pulled Ben Rhodes over. But he, or I'm sorry, when when the police questioned, they, they showed her, they're like, is this the guy? Like from the vehicle, they didn't like bring her up close or anything. But he, she was like, no. She was so terrified of this guy that she said no. So then later on, she recanted and she's like, I'm sorry. Like I can't, I can't let this guy get away. Like he, he's, he was him, and that's how they ended up catching the dude. He was scared at a police lineup where she. Sorry, no, she it was wasn't. Scared? It was on the side. It was on the side of the road. She oh. had literally just escaped his clutches, like. He used to keep them in the back of his truck and she somehow got away. Fuck. She ran, she, she flagged down a police officer and they had somehow pulled him over because they had, I guess, pulled over a bunch of truckers. And I, I, I'm assuming they were taking the girl to each trucker to say, Hey, was this the guy that like kidnapped you? And at first she said no. So it wasn't a police lineup. They had just caught this guy on the side of the road and they pulled the, the, the squad car close by and they said is this does this guy look familiar and she said no she's like I, she was so scared of him that she didn't didn't turn him in she That's was just like crazy. happy to be alive yeah he's a weird looking dude look him up but yeah there's photographs they found pictures and polaroids of him and his victims he'll like leave them in creepy places like in a barn crazy dude so <sighs> they now suspect that that he, she might have been a victim seeing that you know her purse was found in a route that he was known to have been in. Um, so there's, 
There's the, that, and, and the it routes does, of I ten, and and it does kind of well, like no, just like the air, like he was known to travel these routes. Yeah. So there's a high probability that you know he could have stopped off at that Seven Eleven that she was at, and uh, you know got a cup of coffee, saw her that she you know she wasn't having a good time, and you got to think about like back in this day, the the these times, people were more susceptible or more uh, susceptible. Li- yeah, they were more likely to. Uh, to hitchhike with a truck driver than a, than an adroll uh, an average individual because you know like they they saw that as like a, like truckers like that's their job they drive oh yeah that he's he's working he's working like it it's not Dude, like she oh, could have is... immediately gotten picked up after leaving her boyfriend's house and then got picked up by a trucker because she immediately called her boyfriend and said she was eleven miles away which is super weird yes. There, um, there, there is um some discussion. Maybe uh, he was just like taking a piss in the fucking like gas well, station, and he was like, "All right, I'm gonna kill you now." No, well, there, there was an eyewitness that sh- that saw her arrive at but the Seven Eleven. He, he wasn't an he no. wasn't an Asian guy with plucked eyebrows, though. Was no, he? <laughs> um, they just think that back in that time, people thought Asian people were Asian people and just misidentified, you know, a, a couple as as being her, like a very strict like. Asian couple and just just thought it was her being yeah. abducted. Yeah, no, but um, you were saying like, what if it was a guy like it was the same guy that like picked her up? It, it wasn't. There was an eyewitness at Seven Eleven that saw her get dropped off in a gremlin. Mm. So they know the vehicle she was dropped off in. Oh, they even know the parents even know who picked her up and dropped her off at the Seven Eleven. They even went to the point that they interviewed him and the police cleared him as a suspect. So they suspect that after she called her boyfriend and her boyfriend refused to pick her up and after she called her parents and her parents didn't answer, it she like might have gotten suckered in by a truck driver thinking like, oh, you know, truck drivers, they're a safe bet because they're at work. They like people know where they are. Their employer knows where they are. So it's going to be hard to get away with a crime and hops into his cab unsuspecting that it's really a fucking serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that's the new theory, and then to back it up, uh, there is a unclaimed body that was discovered just outside of a. Uh, let me see if I can find the information again. Someone posted the link on a Reddit. It might be her. Um, there's no uh, DNA evidence that they have of uh, Elizabeth to compare to, I believe. But uh, there is a woman between the ages of 20 to 45 that was discovered so by the Falls County Sheriff's Department of uh, either Hispanic or Hispanic Asian descent. Um, matches her description that was just found um, approximately four to five miles on I-35 of Can we talk about County. how she was 5'2 and 97 pounds? That's like the tiniest person. Yeah, that's so small. Well, you got to figure she's she's of Asian descent, so she has naturally a small body and a small frame. That's a weird racist. <laughs> I was about to make a joke about that. <laughs> so I I I need to uh, recant. So he wasn't. That's not how he was caught. The girl did let him go. They that that really did happen. She never came back and said, "Oh, this was him." They actually found him in the act, Mister uh, Ben Rhodes. So it was actually, sorry, Arizona Highway Patrol found a truck at the side of I-10 with the hazard lights on. Uh, And when he investigated the cab, he discovered a nude woman handcuffed and screaming. And there was also a male present who identified himself as a driver of the truck. Basically, he tried to talk his way out of it. Oh, man, that looks like her. So uh, 
he tried to talk his way out of it. I guess he was pretty good at like talking his way, talking to police officers. And uh, he basically, he had no answers for why this woman was handcuffed screaming in the back of his truck. So they arrested him and yeah, um, aggravated assault, sexual assault, unlawful imprisonment. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. They, they connected him with a bunch of, with a string of uh, cases in Houston and noticed the pattern stretching over the course of five months. So, Dude, so Dan just showed us this like composite of this Jane Doe pretty much, right? That yes, was found. it is unidentified as of March 3rd, 2015. Dude, this... Like, it could be. It, it looks, looks exactly very much... Exact. It looks a lot like her. Um, it does. Numerous articles of clothing were found with the remains, including a long-sleeved, light-colored shirt with ruffles around the neck, a light-colored blouse with a camo sewn on the bus line, a light-colored polyester scarf, a light brown sweater, and a T-shirt that says U.S. 1984. Hmm. U.S. 1984. Uh, she graduated 85. There was, like, that picture that they show of her. But, damn, that looks like it really could be her. That's crazy. I always often wonder, man, like, for people like that, like, unidentified people, like, these bodies that they they have no idea who they are. Yeah. It's just insane. The uh, medical examiner estimates the time of death anywhere between the mid-1980s and 2000 when she was discovered. The mid-1980s through 2000? Yeah, when the body was discovered. So, she was like 1980s, but maybe like six months ago. Well, it's just because like they they can't rule it out with like carbon dating and all that. They can't give you because it's it's human remains unless they have well, DNA. I would say it's safer. It's a safe bet to say that she was. I mean, 1984 sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I do wear old. Vin- I mean, people not just me. People do wear old vintage clothes, but not in the early 2000s. Something like that. I don't know. In the early 2000s, everybody wore fabric that was like a little shiny. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Baggy pants and like. Bleach blonde tips and like every fabric is like kind of like shines. You just dis- you just described my high school attire. <laughs> That's my high school yearbook picture, David. <laughs> I want to see. Oh, actually, I did see a picture. Uh, Jocelyn, your my your, your awesome, your amazing wife posted a great picture on your birthday <laughs> of like teenage Eli with like bleach tips. And Eli, you are a Hispanic male. It's it, it looked a little odd. Oh, it totally did. <laughs> Oh, I wanted to be white so bad. <laughs> Dude, I had, like, dirty blonde hair as a white motherfucker myself, and I bleached my hair, too, and I burnt my dumb scalp, and I already had blonde hair. just wasn't that blonde. It wasn't Billy Elliot blonde. Sorry, Billy Idol. That was a callback. What's so, going on next week, Eli? Yeah, tell So us. next week we have, uh, we got a few, couple of juicy cases, if uh, you ask me. Um we got a, we're talking about a double agent who was found dead in his Maryland hotel room. And we're going to be discussing how uh, mysterious the death. It's the like super of Wormwood. You, have, you still haven't watched Wormwood, right? You bitch? I still have not watched Wormwood. No. Dude. Um, it's like, that. It, that's pretty, it's very similar to Wormwood. You should, so it's great. Netflix. Maybe I'll check it out before next week. So we also have uh, oh, a man. This one, this one is I, I, I'm kind of really looking forward to this one because 
the way that it's set up is a little bit like, what's going on here? We're going to be talking about a man who invites a woman who has a history of mental illness to come and live with him. Like, as a couple. Like, I guess he's dating this woman who who is mentally ill. Okay. And the family says, dude, is a bad idea. <laughs> Anyways, turns out he was later found murdered and she has vanished. Nowhere to be found. Wow. That does sound we're also, we're, Yeah. We're going to also be discussing... A 14-year-old boy who survived the horrors of a Nazi concentration camp. Fuck. Yeah. Okay, that sounds pretty interesting. Pretty riveting. Yeah, next week's going to be fun. Come um, back. Hang out. Grab a beer. Yeah. Uh, if that's not your thing, grab a whiskey. If that's still not your thing, grab a Coca-Cola. I, there's a, I feel like, you know, what's weird is I noticed there's like a lot. The bulk of our plays is like Monday morning. Grab a coffee. People are at work. They want to. They want to listen to something interesting. While they're just like on their way to work. They're like, oh god, I'm at work on Monday, and I wish I could be having a cocktail right now. <laughs> We're sorry, guys. Motherfuckers. We aim to entertain. Um, but yeah, it's gonna <laughs> hey, be very. I like good. that. So, so like always, we're the stack pack on all the Twitters and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, our personal handles are I'm at Davy How D A V Y H O W Road underscore Dan and Big Bad Vinyl Dad. <laughs> and for every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth, and perhaps that someone is listening, and perhaps that someone is you.